there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This work places a, a lot of importance on one's level of being. Our level of being is that from which we do. But you said we can't do. Yes, that's right. I, I did say that. Oh boy, now you got me. Here I am contradicting myself. I'm such a klutz. You're right. I said you can't do. And now I'm saying that you do from your level of being. So let me try and take away some of the confusion that I've sown. We can't do beyond our level of being because our level of being makes us do what we did before. Well, if we do what we did before and our level of being makes us do what we did before, are we really doing or are we reacting, being made to do by something else? The word do, which is a great word to do, but, but the work says you can't do. But we can see that we can do and we do all the time. But in the ordinary sense of the word, the way the world uses it, the way people who are not attempting to develop beyond the flow of life, beyond the natural flow of life, beyond the flow of where life takes people and things. People who aren't trying to do that, they have an ordinary way to use the word do. But we have a special meaning for it. And it's a special meaning because we have a fork in the road here. And at this fork in the road, there are two do's now. One do is the ordinary do. And the other do is the exceptional do. The exceptional do is the do that we can't do. The ordinary do is the do that we can do. In fact, we cannot not do. That's what makes it not doing, is the fact that we cannot not do it. Are you with me? Good. I like it when you're with me, or at least when you think you're with me. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, like I did something worthwhile and I've justified my existence for the moment. What we do mechanically from our level of being is not doing because it's mechanical. We think we're doing all the time. We live in, I think I'm doing. I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm remembering myself. I think I'm observing myself. I think I'm being awake. We live in that. But there is a difference between thinking that we are doing and actually doing. There is a difference between thinking that we are observing ourselves and then actually observing ourselves. There's a difference between thinking something and doing something, actually doing it. Yes? We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, two weeks ago. We talked about we know better but act worse. So we can think that we want to do something and then not be able to do it. And then we have all these excuses and reasons why we couldn't do it. Well, it's their fault. Well, it's the government wouldn't let me do it. Or, well, they wouldn't let me register the bike. You know, so I was going, there's no problem, but they wouldn't let me do it. You know, they, somebody, it's always somebody else doing it to us. We think one thing, but we do another. And because we can't deal, we can't live with that inconsistency in ourselves, that contradiction in ourselves, we grow a buffer up between the two things so that we can no longer see the contradiction. And through self-observation, we then begin to 
see through the buffer. We begin to dissolve the buffer and start to see through it. And we start to see the contradiction. We can only take so many contradictions about ourselves. And then we start to get a little wonky. We get a little uptight. We feel like a spring inside of us is being wound up. You know, where we feel like, uh, this is too much. This can't be right. How will I exist? Tilt, tilt. You know, we, we get a little weird. So we think we're doing all the time. But it is doing. It is our mechanical being. To do in a work sense is to go against mechanical doing. People in England during the 40s used to, uh, in this work, they used to, they'd go and they'd, you know, they'd go and catch a bus or something and then they'd walk on the bus backwards, you know. So they would do all of these things to work, go against mechanical doing. You know, that was the idea. Of course, it's pretty absurd. But it's what we do. It's how we operate. Can you, can you see that? Mm -hmm. It's like we, we find something that we think we can do that's going to fix it because it's the opposite. It's formatory. It's the opposite of that. So we walk backwards instead of forwards. It's so formatory. Yet it, it's a good answer to us, to our intellectual side, because our intellectual side is really based in formatory apparatus, which is yes, no, up, down, good, bad, backward, forward front, back, you know. So we do that automatically, which of course is mechanically, which of course is mechanical doing. So walking backwards on the bus or walking forwards on the bus is the same thing because it's coming from the same place. Do you see that? Yes. Good. Mechanical man can't do in a work sense. And this is great because, see, mechanical man gets on the bus and he walks on the bus backwards. Mechanical man gets on the bus and he walks on the bus forward. But if he's walking on the bus backwards, he, may not, he must not be mechanical man. Oh, no. He's mechanical man. He's just doing something opposite of what he normally does. That doesn't mean he's not mechanical. It just means he is now behaving, acting in another way. It doesn't mean he's being in another way. See, how we look at life is have, do, be. If I want to be a ballerina... I go out and buy a tutu and toe shoes. I put them on and I get a parallel bar and I stand in front of the mirror and I have ballerina clothes on. So that makes me a ballerina. Actually, it would make me a fool, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, that wouldn't make you a fool. You're already a fool. That would just show the rest of the world what a fool you are. Okay. You win. You're right. Yes, I'm a fool. And I really don't mind so much because it's the way it is. And until I'm not the way I am, I'm going to be the way I am. And the best that I can do with the way I am is accept it as gracefully as I know how while I'm attempting to change my level of being, which is what this talk is about. Levels. Levels of being and how to change them. Is it possible to change our level of being? If everything that we do is mechanical and mechanical man can't do in a work sense, that screws us down pretty well with not a lot of room to move. If we can't do, where's our hope? How can we ever be more than we are if we can't be more than we are? This is where the work comes to the rescue. I know I'm so excited. I love it. I love it when the work comes to the rescue because... That's what esoteric principles are about. They're about rescuing us from ourselves. But I'm pretty hot stuff. I don't need to be rescued. Okay, then. No, you don't need to be rescued. You need to observe yourself. If you're pretty hot stuff, you need to observe yourself. Because 
You're dreaming. You're in imagination. But I've done this work for 20 years. I don't care if you've done this work for a thousand years. I don't care if you're Gurdjieff reincarnated. I don't care. The fact is, is that man number one, two, three, four, five, and six are all in man number seven. Always. And they don't disappear. That's always there. We're transformed. It doesn't mean that six, six sevenths of us disappears. That's not what that's not what this means. You make it to another level. It doesn't mean that all the steps that support that level suddenly disappear and now that level is floating. No, it's not the way it is at all. It's all built and everything is ordered and everything is put in its proper place. The difference is that we're all out of order. Man number one does whatever he wants, man number two does whatever he wants, man number three does whatever he wants, and they, they don't communicate with each other, they just do whatever they want. We're a house in disorder. The work principle is this. We're not one. Whoever thought that our multiplicity could come to our rescue? It's like, that is so cool. Like, you're not one. That's your hope of change. Because you are not one, you can't be one. And because you can't be one, you can be a better one or a worse one. That is the whole thing about this work. You have better eyes and worse eyes. You have eyes that are closer to magnetic center and eyes that are totally immersed in life. Now you lie about it all the time because you have this insane belief that transforming means not having eyes that are totally immersed in life. Not having eyes that want to run through fields of money. You know, <laughs> it's like, sure you do. Not having eyes that want to, you know, have chocolate syrup poured all over them, you know. And then, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to think, to imagine you, that, oh, well, but, all, but all, the, all the masters have put all that behind them. Maybe they have. You have no idea how much chocolate syrup they sell in those places. You don't know. <laughs> You know, you don't know. You don't know. So stop making stuff up. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying I don't know either, but I'm not going to make stuff up about it. I said you don't know how much chocolate syrup they sell in those places. You don't know what they have to deal with. You don't even know what you've got to deal with. Why? Because you're denying nine-tenths of it. Why? Well, because that doesn't fit your picture of what an ascended person or an evolved person or an enlightened person behaves like. Enlightened people never get angry. Really? Who told you that? Oh, I just figured that out myself. Yeah. Well, let's put that with all the other stuff you figured out yourself. Oh, as a matter of fact, we already have. That's exactly where that belongs. With all the other stuff we figured out ourselves. That's how we got where we are. That's why we need help. Because we figured this out. Our system leads us deeper into our system. This work leads us out of our prison, our self-made prison. Lest we forget what we're doing here. Our level of being is characterized by mechanicalness and sleep. But within our general level are gradations, degrees of less and more mechanical. You have eyes in you that are more mechanical. You have eyes in you that are less mechanical. Because of that, where you put your sense of I can begin to alter your level of being. That is so cool. That is it. That's where the hope is. The hope is in our multiplicity. If we were one mechanical thing, we'd be animals only. But because we have this possibility of evolution, we can get beyond that. I don't know. I'm all excited about that. You guys don't look nearly as excited as I feel about this. Do I look? 
Do I look pretty excited to you about this? Okay, good. I just want to make sure that I'm being real because I'm about ready to pop. I'm so excited. This makes me very happy. You know, this makes me very happy to know that, oh, wow, this is so cool. Here's this thing that I thought was horrible. Oh, I'm not one. I'm such a mess. There are thousands of me. Take hope, dude. That's your way out. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's like candles on your birthday cake. Oh, cool. And the more candles you have, the older you are. No. The more candles you have, the more light you have. Because there are different degrees, more and less mechanical eyes in us, we're able to experience something beyond our general level of being. We get a flash of understanding from an eye that's not as mechanical, that's closer to these work ideas, that understands them better than where we normally spend our time. We get that flash of understanding, we go, oh, wow. And then we forget it. <laughs> and we go back to the mechanical eyes. Uh, we go back, we're like the pigs. We go back rooting in the, in the mud. <laughs> Or like the dog returns to its vomit. And that's what we do. You know, I know that's a graphic example. But I, it wasn't my example. That one came out of the Bible, which is pretty graphic. But, but, but when you think about it, it's a great book for our species because we need to be hit on the head. We don't take subtle things well. We need graphic examples. The Red Sea has to part for us. Moses has to come down and crack the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments on it over our heads. Huh? What was that? Oh, it got my attention now. What do you mean, Ten Commandments? I don't want to do that. The deal is we can see further than we can jump. I know you've heard this from me before. We have flashes of understanding that show us what we should but can't do. The problem in this work and in all esoteric work is that when we see what we should do but can't do it, we don't like that. So what we do is we start to work on doing it. And we think that since we worked on doing it, we can now do it. We actually fool ourselves into believing that we're doing it. You can't fool other people. And that's why you have to change your friends. <laughs> it's what happens when people get in this stuff. They get in a new church. They get in a new system. They get in a new this, a new that. They change their friends. Why? Because they can't fool their old friends. Well, how can they fool their new friends? Well, that's easy. Their new friends want to be fooled because they're fooling each other. They all want to be something that they're not. So it becomes this big fraternity of pretenders. And the fraternity of pretenders gets a name. They call it Christianity or the Fourth Way or Buddhism or whatever. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's all the same thing. It's a, a group of people who want to be different but can't be different. So they pretend they're different. They act different, but they aren't being different. So it's like a bunch of people, you know, just regular people, dressed up in tutus with toe shoes on, walking around together, and every once in a while striking a pose, you know. And they do that to each other, and they go, wow, that, that's, man, that's it. That's, a, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly the right, but that's a perfect pose. And then they go around, man, that's my friend. And I'm learning how to do that pose for my friend. Now, you can't put all those things together and actually be a ballerina, but that doesn't matter. If you can do the pose, you can have the picture of you doing that perfect pose, and you got the picture. And who needs anything else? You can have a whole poster made then. Full-size poster of you in the tutu and the toe shoes with the parallel bar in the mirror doing the pose perfectly. And it's proof. It's evidence. And you can bring that picture out and show it to people. See? And they go, yep. Can I have your autograph? Well, yes, here you go. From Ballerina Billy, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was out there today. But it's a good day. 
How shall we endure this discrepancy between what we know we should do and what we can't do? How will we do it? How are we going to be able to tolerate this contradiction? Imagination to the rescue. That's how. Imagination comes to the rescue. We'll imagine that we can. We'll make pictures of ourselves doing it. And we'll look at those pictures all the time. We'll fill our minds and our hearts with wonderful thoughts of all of the things that we're posing and doing. Will we be any different? No, we won't be any different, but we'll believe that we're different. And that's really all that's needed to satisfy imagination. And imagination satisfies every center. So the work comes to the rescue and says, you're a multiplicity. That's your way out. You got better eyes and worse eyes. Go with the better eyes. But then imagination comes and rescues you from the work. It says, yes, but you're not doing it. It's not happening fast enough. You should be much further along by now. And so imagination rescues you. It says, oh, that mean old work, come with me. We have an easier, softer way. And you're stuck. What shall we do? The work answer is what you should not do. Oh, I've been doing what I shouldn't do my whole life. That hasn't worked out for me. How does that work? Well, you have to do what the work says you shouldn't do. Oh, well, yeah, I've never really been good at taking orders. You know, I have to understand why. So I don't just take orders blindly. I'm not a fool. Oh, okay, well, I am. We've established that already. We've established that I'm a fool. Now you'll have to establish that you are if you want to do this work. Because this work is for fools. It's not for ascended masters. Ascended masters don't do this work. Fools do this work. Because fools need to do this work. Ascended masters don't need to do this work. And ascended masters can't really directly help fools. So you're not here to teach me. Although, if I'm a good enough fool, I could learn. The work answer is what you should not do. Well, what then should we not do? Tell me what not to do and I'll do that. This is exactly how we work. You've got to be able to see, if you're seeing this, you've got to see the comedy of it. It's a tragic comedy. You know, it's one of those things, it's so tragic, but it's funny. It's like, we just keep digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper. Why? Because we are absolutely committed to the idea that we can do. And you may accept, for sake of argument, the fact that you can't do. And you may be able to understand it when I split the hairs and line them out for you. And say, because all doing that we did before that is reactive is mechanical and therefore it's not really doing in the work sense. But when we get right back to our life, we believe that we can do. And so just tell me what to do. Okay, so what then should I not do? What does the work say no, I should not do? I'll do that then. We're incorrigible. We should not express negative emotions. Well, I don't express negative emotions. I never get angry. Really? Is that what everybody else in your life says? Well, y'all, the people who know me. Well, what about the people who don't know me? Well, I don't have anything to do with them. Why would I have anything to do with them? They don't know what they're talking about. They think that I get angry. Clearly, they don't know me. All my friends say that I don't get angry. Right, that's why they're your friends, because they lie with you. You lie about yourself, and they agree. Why? Because you'll agree with their lie about themselves. That's the club. That's the fourth way. That's Christianity. That's Buddhism. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. We're in the club. It's called life, and it's what we do. This is so depressing. Yes, it is, isn't it? Isn't it depressing? It's like, oh, this is depressing. Yes, it is. I admit it. It's depressing. That's why I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I think about pleasant things, like how wonderful I am, how I never get angry, how everybody loves me, and how I'm doing good things, and how I'm helping the world. 
That's the stuff I think about. I don't think about this depressing stuff. But every once in a while I get so, I get this like sugar high from how wonderful I am, you know. And I just got to have something to cut the sweetness. So I just take a moment and sip on this bitter chocolate with chili in it. And it's like, uh, it really cuts through all that sweetness. And it's like, yeah, okay, now I've got a reality check here. The bottom line is I cleanse my palate of the lies with the truth. I can't take a cup of truth and drink it, but I can cleanse my palate with a sip of it. Just swish it around, spit it out real fast, and none of it gets in my, in my stomach and changes me, you know. That's how we are, people. It's how we are. It's because if the truth were to get in us, if we were to get a mouthful of truth in our stomachs, it would just rip us apart. A little bit of truth goes a long way with us. A long way. In fact, it goes way too far. The life impulse, the thought, the feeling is to do. Tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Isn't that really? If I tell you something and you, you, you become convinced about yourself, yes, I need to change. You're so right, I do need to change. Tell me what to do. We feel it. We think it. We, it's, 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 it's instinctive. It's like, just tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Tell me what to do. And then I tell you what to do and you go, okay, I'm doing it. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then you find that you can't do it. And then if I'm an idiot, I go, why aren't you doing it? You go, well, I can't do it. You idiot. What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We lie to get the heat off. But the bottom line is if we could just accept, yes, I'm an idiot. I can't do it. I'm a fool. There's no heat anymore. That transforms the heat. It dissipates the heat. Do you see? It's only our resistance that makes the heat. Stop resisting it. Yes, okay. Yes, I'm angry. I don't see it, but I'm angry. If you say I'm angry, I'm going to take your word for it. If you're saying that this feeling in the pit of my stomach is anger, I'll take your word for it. I'll use that as the basis for my observation. Does that mean I believe it? No, it doesn't mean I believe it. Does that mean I see it? No, it doesn't mean I see it. Does that mean that I'm willing to observe that? Yes, that's what it means. It means I'm willing to observe that. Oh, you're willing to observe that you're a liar? Yes, I'm willing to observe that I'm a liar. Good for you. You've come a long way today. If you're willing to observe that you're a liar, you've come a long way. Just the willingness facing in the right direction, that in and of itself will bring light to you. That in and of itself will begin the healing process. This work is so great because it's in your humil humility, it's in your surrender that your life is found, that your true self is found. It's the only place it's found. It's not found in your work. It's not found in your resistance. It's not found in those things. It's found in your surrender. What should you do? Realize you can't do. To us, that means think we can't do. But you can't realize by thinking. Only by observing yourself can you realize. We can think anything, but that doesn't mean we can do it. I remember when I was a kid, jumping off the garage roof with an umbrella. I thought it would work. <laughs> I thought it would work like a parachute. It didn't. It didn't work like a parachute. It did not slow my descent by anything. I just went straight down like a rock. Boom! And when I hit, yes, it hurt. But I thought that it would be some other way. So we can think anything. That doesn't make it true. You always do as you've always done, and you can't change yourself. You can't be different from what you are, and others can't be different from what they are. Everything happens the only way that it can happen. Now, the work says this very clearly, and we think, well, then how can you change? And it is because of levels of being, because our average level of being has within it these gradations, higher eyes, bigger eyes that understand better, and more mechanical eyes that don't understand as well. And by shifting our sense of eye to better eyes, we then begin to make a headway 
we begin to slowly, gradually change our level of being. You with me? That's the theory. It's all theory right now. Keep it theory because we're going to work on this. The first step is realizing that we're machines. We identify with every thought and every feeling. We go with it. Let me give you an example. Jess came to me last, I think it was last week, and he had this realization. Maybe it was the week before. He had this realization. His realization was, to get this realization, I'm asleep. I said, yeah. He goes, no. I'm always asleep. I said, uh-huh. He said, I never wake up. Even when I'm observing myself asleep, I'm still asleep. I said, yeah, that's right. And I was, I looked like I look now. You see how I look now? I look all happy and like... Mm -hmm excited because he got it. I mean, he really got it. He got that he's asleep. And that even when he's observing himself asleep, he's still asleep. He's observing himself in his sleep. And it's like, yes, that's right. That's right. But you see, the words don't do it. You got to see it for yourself. You have to realize it for yourself. You can't just think it. You have to actually experience it. And he did. And it was real. It was genuine. Now, I don't have any idea where he is with it now. But then he could taste it. He could smell it. He could feel it because it was his. It was real. Now, that eye may be long gone now. And he may be back in mechanical eyes. But that eye exists in him. And he could hook up with that eye again. If he really wants to, if he'll make effort, he can find that eye again and hook up with that eye again. And the more time he spends with that eye, the more he's going to meet bigger eyes and more understanding eyes that can introduce him to more things that he can't see now, that the little mechanical eyes can't see because they're so far down in it. And that's how we grow. That's how we evolve. That's how this happens. That's the process. If we begin to awaken, we're not machines because a machine can't remember itself a machine can't awaken. We gradually realize that we're machines reacting mechanically to everything through self-observation. How do we realize it? Through self-observation. Well, but I'm observing myself. That means I'm awake. No. No, it doesn't. You're observing yourself asleep. You're asleep observing yourself asleep. That's what's happening. You're not awake because you have an observing eye. That observing eye is asleep. It just happens to be doing this right now. But it's doing it mechanically. Trust me on this. Because you are a mechanical man. You are not a conscious man. So what you do, you must be doing mechanically. But what's the way out? The way out is slow and gradual. But now that I know this and I can think this, isn't that the way out? No, that's not the way out. That's the way back in. That just turns around on itself. That just takes you back in. Then you end up with a bunch of fourth-way ascended masters who are the nastiest people on earth. You wouldn't want to be in a room with them. They're so judgmental and harsh and nasty with each other and everybody else because they're better than everybody. Why? Because it's all in their head. Because they can't do any of it. They just talk it. Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble for that. But you know what? I was already in trouble. <laughs> I was already in trouble because I can't do it. And I have the audacity to say I can't do it. Well, after all these years, don't you think you'd be able to do it by now? Well, yes, I do think that. I think I should be able to do it. But I can't. Why aren't you just clinging to that? Yes, it's because the only truth I have. The truth that I have is I can't do. The truth that I have is I'm not one. The truth that I have is, is I love negative emotions. These are the truths that I have. These are things that I can be certain about. These are things I have verified. 
You want me to cast them away so that I can believe that I'm better than that? Sorry, but that's where I came from. I don't want to go back there. You want to go back there, that's your business. But that's not my business, and that's not the business of the fourth way. And that's not the business of esoteric Christianity. And that's not the business of esotericism under any label, name, or sign, or billboard, or road, or whatever. We increase consciousness through observing that we're machines. How Jess increased his consciousness, and he did increase his consciousness, when he became aware that he was asleep all the time, that he never woke up, when he saw that, trust me, he was more awake than he'd ever been. Now, does that mean he was awake? No. It only means he was more awake than he'd ever been. What does that mean? Well, he was less asleep than he usually is. That's all. doesn't mean anything else. doesn't mean he is now man number four. doesn't mean he's now ready for ascended master. doesn't mean he gets a gold star. doesn't mean he gets the Toastmasters trophy. doesn't mean he gets a plaque on the wall. It means nothing other than that. But my child was child of the month and blah, blah, blah school. Well, can I have something? Yeah, you can have the reality of the fact that you're a sleeping machine. You can have that. How did that feel, Jess? How did that feel? How did it feel to realize, to have that realization, to realize, oh my God, I'm asleep all the time. Even when I'm observing myself and I think I'm awake observing myself, I'm really asleep. It was the most, one of the most freeing moments. Yeah, it feels good. And I don't mean sensations. Mm -hmm. I mean, it touches something higher in us and excites it. It excites it. It charges it up. It fires it. It makes it glow. This is the door to another consciousness of ourself and the beginning of real work that we observe that we're machines. We increase our consciousness by observing that we're machines. We're still machines, but by observing that we are machines, we are actually increasing our consciousness. And that's the door. That's the beginning. That's the platform from which we begin to work. Now, a lot of people jump right beyond that. <laughs> I don't need that. I've been in this... 50 years, I know everything there is to know. Great. What can you do? Everything. Okay. We stop taking ourselves for granted. We must work on not identifying. But you can't work on not identifying if you take yourself for granted. You will take yourself for granted if you can't observe that you're a machine. But I've been doing this work for 10 years. Surely I'm not as much of a machine now as I was then. It's all a matter of degrees. It's hardly even worth recognizing, actually. This work tells you forever. It takes a long time and a lot of effort. A long time and a lot of effort. It takes many, many years and a lot of effort. But I've been at it for many years. Keep at it. You know, that's all I got to say is keep at it. You got something else to do? Well, yes, I was going to float around being an ascended master. <laughs> Trust me, that gets boring. I did that. <laughs> I floated around as a Senate master for a while in Redondo Beach. <laughs> it really gets boring. You know, you have audiences and people come and lay flowers at your feet. And, you know, it's like, this is boring. Like, you know, how many flowers can you have? Like, you want to get up and go do something bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> at least I did. I wanted to get up and go do something bad. <clears throat> I didn't want to keep on being an ascended master. It was like, I eh, forget that. It's a tough road, but somebody's got to go. One thing that you can do is remember yourself. Everything else is not doing in this work. The only thing this work tells you that you can do is remember yourself. And then what we do was we remember ourselves is we find out that we can't remember ourselves. <laughs> we find out that the very thing that the work tells us we can do, we can't actually do. But it is the actual doing of what we can't do that frees us. Well, but you just said we can't do it. I know. And it's 
trying to do and failing that increases our consciousness. It's not trying to do and succeeding that increases our consciousness. Trying to do and exceeding increases our imagination. Trust me on this. At least long enough to let this idea settle with you. Don't accept it as because I said it. It's true. But trust me on this, that the work does say this. And it is true that it's in your failure that your growth is found. It is not in your success. In your success, your pride and vanity is found. And trust me, that is the wrong direction. That is not the direction that this work is pointing you. That is the direction of life. How can I remember myself? Well, realize that you never remember yourself. This is where most part ways with the work and move into higher states and deeper teachings. This is where Gurdjieff light gets left behind and Gurdjieff fat, you know, Gurdjieff full bodied, 100 calorie per serving, you know, the maximum calories per serving. That's where Gurdjieff, the real Gurdjieff, the real teaching for the heavyweights. That's where that starts. Where is that? The beginning of imagination. That's where that is. The amazing thing about Ospensky, the amazing thing about Nicole, the amazing thing about Gurdjieff is you never, I never, have read anywhere where they said, I am there, you are not. They say, in our state, in our condition, the way we are, but the fourth way today, the new fourth way, the hierarchy of the new fourth way, oh no, they're there, we are not. It's like, well fine, you stay there, I don't want to be there. That's where I'm trying to get away from. I'm not trying to get to that. I'm trying to get away from that. That is the prison from which I wish to escape. What prison? The prison of pride and vanity. The prison of self. That's the prison. They remember themselves. They are conscious once they have heard it enough. In that fourth way, you don't have to work. All you have to do is hear it enough, memorize it enough, say it enough, and it's yours. In this other fourth way, the one that Gurdjieff and Ospensky and Nicole practiced and taught, in that fourth way, that means nothing. In that fourth way, you have to do the work. And how you know if you're doing the work is if you are manifesting the fruit. What is the fruit of the fourth way? Ascended masters. No. Love, compassion, and humility. Ooh, the trees bare. Yes, it's like the emperor's new clothes. But being a fool, I can point to it and say, oh, look, the emperor's naked. The purpose of self-observation is to make us aware we aren't what we think we are. But I thought the purpose of the fourth way is to make us aware that we are there now. We've made it. We've understood. And now we're, we have the understanding. We now are awake. We're not mechanical anymore. No, it's to see what you are. It's not to overlay something over what you are. It's not to mask what you are. The purpose of self-observation is to make us aware that we aren't what we think we are. What do you think you are? I think I'm conscious. I don't think I'm mechanical. I think I'm awake. I think I'm not expressing negative emotions. Good. Now the purpose of self-observation is to show you that all of that's not true. Well, then I don't want to play. Fine. Play some other game. I am. And I'm calling it the fourth way. Great. Then I'll do the old fourth way because the new fourth way sucks. The reason people leave this work is because they're satisfied with themselves as they are, or they return to self-satisfaction through imagination. I can't tell you how many people I meet who are satisfied with themselves the way they are. How's it going? Oh, I'm, I'm wonderful. Everything's just great. I'll see if I can help you change that. It's my gift to you. You know, I will give you something to observe in yourself, because I promise you, you are not wonderful.
Take my word for it or don't. Better yet, don't take my word for it. Observe it yourself. Find out that you're not wonderful. Who'd want to find that out? <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, dude, who'd want to find that out? No wonder your place is empty. You know, no wonder you can't sell anything. Well, I can't sell anything because I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to sell it. Nothing's for sale here. Nothing. I'm not selling anything. This is the way it is. The truth is free. It just costs everything. But it's free. But it costs you everything. Because it's like, free truth is like dehydrated water. <laughs> you know, it's like, until you put it in water, it's no good. You know, it, can, not, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't come alive until you put it in water. You got to reconstitute the truth. And how you reconstitute the truth is you put it inside of you and it sucks all the juice out of you. It sucks all the life out of you. You pay everything for it. And then you have it. But what you don't have is everything that you did have before you had the truth. If this sounds like double talk to you, it is. To you, it's double talk. And if you can't understand it, try going with better eyes. It takes sincerity and courage to stay at the beginning of this work, to stay long enough to have this work develop a work eye in you or to develop some work eyes in you. It takes courage. You've got to be willing to be what you actually are for a long time. And what you actually are is unbearable. But somehow, through our hope in this work and through association with bigger eyes, we endure the stench of ourselves long enough to bathe in the light and cleanse ourselves of what we are. People catch a glimpse of the meaning of this work and then they begin to have insights beyond their average level of being. And Jess's example was a perfect example. Jess's average level of being was, well, I'm awake. His ordinary level of being was, I'm awake. He came to me and said, man, even when I'm observing myself, I'm asleep. I'm always asleep. I'm never awake. Cool. He had a flash of understanding. And now he has that as an anchor that he can go back to and work from there if he wishes. So he's caught a glimpse of the meaning of this work. He's begun to have insights beyond his average level of being. If he will affirm in the best part of his mind as truth what he has seen, he will gradually change his level of being. Gradually, ever so slowly, we grow slowly in this truth. Our consciousness changes slowly. Our level of being is raised gradually, almost imperceptibly. It's like my wife said to me one day, how can you meditate two hours a day and be such a jerk? I said, it's easy. I am a jerk. I don't even have to meditate two hours a day to be a jerk. I can be a jerk by meditating no hours a day. I can be a jerk by doing nothing because it's in my being, because I am a jerk. The only difference between you and me is, in this moment, I'm aware that I'm a jerk. And in this moment, you're aware that I'm a jerk, but you're not aware that you're a jerk. And so you're coming down heavy on my jerkiness because you can't see your own. But I'm not coming down heavy on your jerkiness because I can see my own. Love and compassion, what comes from raising your level of being, makes the world a nicer place. Your world, if nobody else's. Slowly what you know on your best side will be able to be carried out on your being. So as you slowly spend more and more time with eyes that have more understanding, work eyes, you will gradually change your level of being until you can finally start to do some of the things that you know you should do. Look, when you guys started meditating, you couldn't meditate an hour. You couldn't sit down and meditate for an hour. You couldn't do it. Now, it's like, you remember Steve, he had to have a chair. And then I said, no, I want you to work on this. I want you to get this stool. I want you to work on this. And he did. Now look at him. Like a rock. He sits down, boom. Man, there could be an earthquake. He's not moving. He would have never thought he could do that. But with a little encouragement, a little persistence, over the years, he's been able to do it. 
That's what I'm saying. That's how it works. I'm, you know, I've talked way too long. I really need to stop because this is just too good, and we don't want this out there in the world because we won't, this place would be packed. to be coming in the windows here. <laughs> Let me tell you one last thing. Manifest goodness is higher than truth. You got the truth? Good. I'm happy for you. I will manifest goodness, compassion, love, and mercy. And that trumps truth any day of the week. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.